How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. there and welcome to another podcast i'm sarah wendell from smart bitches trashy books and with me is jane lit from dear author this is the dear bitches smart authors podcast where we talk about romance novels this episode's a little bit different we start out talking about romance novels and we spend a lot of time talking about what we're reading what we want to read what we wish we were reading and what we want to read next but we also talk about microphones and football and a host of other things but we hope you enjoy it The music today is, as usual, provided by Sassy Outwater. This is from an artist named Jade Simmons, and this is Sonata for Piano 26, I believe. I will have all the information about Ms. Simmons on the website when we post the podcast, but for the meantime, enjoy the music and enjoy the podcast. Yes, let's talk about cursing in romances, especially because um, I can't say cock when we read Bad Erotica. Um, the, there has been an increase in, uh, foul language, mostly by the heroes. I mean, I don't think that you can read a contemporary or paranormal, uh, where there isn't cursing. It's true. And I'm not, obviously I'm not that phased by cursing, but I'm always, I'm, 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 I'm okay with it. Certainly in urban fantasy, I expect them to curse. It's like the leather pants and the belt equal cursing. And in paranormals, I am not phased by cursing. In contemporaries, I'm always a little surprised. I very rarely find the cursing in the Harlequins that I read, but I'm also sticking mostly to super romance, which is a little light on the cursing, unless, of course, you're talking to talking about an Australian author, as we discovered. And with romantic suspense, I almost figure that there's going to be cursing as well. The best, but the best thing about historicals is when they get creative cursing. And and I think I've noticed that more and more, especially from um, more of the modern authors. And by modern, I, because I, I don't want to use younger authors, but the authors who are you know started to write or publish in the like last five years, I see a lot more cursing in the historicals. Um, it doesn't bother me 
but there's been definitely a change. Why do you think that is? I, I, it might be publishers loosening up the reins a little, maybe, uh, as a society, we've become more vulgar. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I have a potty mouth. I try to actually, I've, I've been trying to, um, you know, cut back on my profanities. I don't know if you recall, there was that embarrassing moment at the Tools of Change conference, which I said the F word. <laughs> yes, it was great. Because I couldn't think of any other word to express the frustration um, that uh, readers were having with the formatting of eBooks. But um, I, I always look back at that as, and cringe a little bit because I probably should not have used a profanity and disappointed in myself that I couldn't think of a better word in the heat of the moment. But, you but know, it's I, funny. I think that um, the restrictions and frustrations of eBooks are entirely entitled cursing. Like it, it's it's absolutely appropriate that your frustrations with eBooks would yield a, yield a few F-bombs. That makes perfect sense to me. And also at a conference full of tech people who curse like sailors, I don't think anyone even noticed. Well, I think that the people there were a little shocked that I had used the curse word. So <laughs> um, I, I am trying to reduce my profanities, but I do think definitely that there's a change, that there's um, that there are more and more cursing from characters, but primarily from men and not from women. Yes, definitely the men are cursing more. I started reading a book th this week. I've I've been on a real contemporary kick. Like I really want to read a lot of contemporary. So I started reading Addison Fox's Baby It's Cold Outside, which is set in Alaska, which is a place I happen to love. And I'm sort of I've... on the fence about it. I'm I'm I really want to like it, but the the main the heroine so far, she is just too perfect. You know, she's got money, she's smart, she's socially adept. And the, the premise of the book is that she has gone to this small town in Alaska because her best friend has been there for a little while. And her best friend inherited, I think it's uh, half of a house from a guy who she didn't know was her biological father. And when she gets to this town of Indigo, Alaska, her half-sister is very resentful of her of this woman's presence. The woman, I think her name is Greer. And the half-sister is Kate. Kate is very resentful of Greer's presence and refuses to allow the will to move forward. She's contesting the will. And the legal part of it is kind of fascinating because the firm that's representing the estate, the one of the attorneys, is the hero. And he is really attracted to Greer's best friend, who's the heroine. And the best friend has money. She's a freelance um a freelance writer but she comes from a very wealthy Westchester family and she gets a lot of pressure about why she's not married yet and she lives in Manhattan um, she has a very sort of opulent awareness of her lifestyle she herself doesn't necessarily have super 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 nice things but she can identify the finest glass sculpture and she can identify a thousand dollar bottle of wine very quickly so she is sort of fluent in rich people stuff she's really perfect so I'm having a hard time really getting into it although I keep I keep going and I keep going and I keep going the thing that's interesting is that there's a sort of instant friendship between three women there's Greer and the heroine um Sloan and a woman who lives up in Indigo named Avery and Avery pronounces at one point says that the hero is fuckalicious and I had to go back and read it twice because I was like, there's no way she said fuckalicious. And I thought maybe it was 
Bunkalicious. I could not wrap my brain around the fact that the heroine was saying this, or the a future heroine. I'm presuming she gets her own book someday, because um, like any good small town contemporary, this is totally a series. I'm betting it's an Alaskan Nights novel. Yes, it's definitely a series at some point. So she says "fuck Bunkalicious," and then she says it again, and I was like, "Whoa!" That is the first time in a while I'd heard a heroine drop the f bomb, even to describe the relative hotness of another guy. Yeah, the the only author that I can recall uh, off the top of my head who regularly uses profanities um, that come out of her heroine's mouth would be the Shelley Lawrenson books. Yes, her heroines have excellent potty mouths. But um, I don't recall it in other in other books. I think it's just viewed as unladylike. I think you're right. I think you're. I think you're right that it's unladylike. I do want to read. Have you read Heartstrings and Diamond Rings by Jane Graves? No, but um, I really do trust Jane with the wise recommendations for contemporaries. She has really excellent taste. and She has that... good taste in general. <laughs> she does have good taste. She just, I, I respect her so much because she is, has such varied taste and she reads, you know, real broadly. But um, her contemporary recommendations have always worked for me. So I have bought that book and it's in my queue, but I haven't been reading it. Um, I've been reading a lot of other books though. What have you been reading? That was my question for this podcast. Actually. I know <laughs> what you're reading. Well, um, I read the, uh, I wanted to read more werewolf books. I really love shapeshifter books, Me particularly, too. particularly werewolf books. And I particularly love books that have a lot of pack dynamics. I have not been finding them. Oh dear. But uh, Jill Miles recommended that I read a three-book series by Kelly Armstrong um, that's YA. And she described the hero as Clay Jr. And Clay is a reference to the um, male uh, werewolf enforcer in Bitten and Stolen, which is her adult series. And my I favorite, love Clay. I love yeah, Clay. my favorite line of Clay's is that he says, I am the local psychopath. Yes, I love him. I love that he's like totally, he has no problems with the fact that he'll rip your head off and eat your liver because that's his job. That's right. And uh, I love how protective he is, not just, a, not really of Elena, but of Jeremy, his pack alpha. And I remember there's a scene in Stolen where um, Paige, a witch, wants to bring in uh, Jeremy and these other three paranormal beings. And Clay's like, you want me to bring in my pack alpha and subject him to a dangerous environment where he's the only fighter? Uh-uh. <laughs> so he takes his, um, he takes his, uh, um, role as the pack enforcer and, mm -hmm. and protector of the pack alpha very seriously. So in any event, these three books uh, by Kelly Armstrong um, were very good and I bought them all. I didn't ask for um, review copies. They're, they were totally entertaining and, and she's right that the, the male in the book, Clay Jr. Uh, is a little psychopathic werewolf uh, as a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I think that a lot of there are a lot of teenage boys who are psychopathic. <laughs> These books, they're the darkest power, they're the summoning, the reckoning, and um I think the gathering. Uh but 
I'm glad that I didn't have to wait because they all end in a big cliffhanger. Oh, oh goodness. I saw somebody on Twitter griping about that. And if I had to have waited for them, I would have been upset. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate cliffhangers. I hate them a lot. I don't understand why anyone thinks this is a good idea. It just twi it just p pisses readers off. Well, it must not piss them off enough because they keep buying the books with the cliffhangers. So I don't know if readers are buying books um, in spite of the cliffhanger, cliffhanger or if the cliffhanger actually works to drum up a lot of interest and support because there's obviously a lot of books that end in cliffhangers that, you know, make no noise at all. And so it might just be the author's skill in telling the story and that readers are willing to put up with the cliffhanger in order to read another book by that author. Mm -hmm. Or it's sort of a uh, cheap and dirty way to guarantee two sales. <laughs> that too. So that I've been reading that. I also read uh, Avon Impulse title called Casey, uh, by Casey Klein called Dark Future, and it's a futuristic it's not a book I ordinarily would have picked out. Yeah, I would not have expected you to wear, read that. I I did. I, you know, I I'm always leery of the initial authors. You know, KC or JP. <laughs> is it because or... you don't know what gender they are, or is it because it's just you know the the ambiguity is somewhat alarming? No, I always assume that if they're using kind of a gender neutral name, that they don't aren't writing romance. That's interesting, but I can totally see why you'd feel that way. What else have you wanted to read or what are you interested in reading right now? Well, I'd like to read more werewolf books. Um, I've tried, like I tried the Molly Harper books um, and it, I, you know, I, I objectively look at the Molly Harper book also set in Alaska and I kind of had the same reservations that you have about the Addison Fox series, which I've heard very good things about. I've heard very good things about the Addison Fox book. I'm, I'm going to keep at it. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of, uh, you're so perfect. I'm really having a hard time being interested in you, but I'm going to keep at it. Do you mean the, the Molly Harper um, Naked Werewolf series? Correct. Yes, the Naked Werewolf. Because I, I read, and one last thing for the RWA uh, Rita reviews, and her voice is awesome. You would think that I would like that, her voice. Yes, it, I'm surprised that you don't because you usually go for unique voices. For some reason, it's just not working for me. I um, I put the book down and I have not gone back to it. And generally that means that it's just going to languish. So I guess that's another $7.99 that I'm out. But um, so let's see, what else have I been reading? So I read The Dark Future. That, that book has flaws, but it it's interesting. It's kind of like um, John Connor-ish in terms of time travel, post-apocalyptic future. Oh, cool. You know, so it's different. And I think it's the, per it's the perfect kind of title that, come that should be coming out of these digital firsts. And mm -hmm. by that, I mean experimental, different. Totally unique. Yeah, it is unique. I, I mean, there are problems with it. The, the heroine is a little too... Um, pretty princess for me yeah yeah I understand that <laughs> and um the sexual encounters that they have in the early part of the book were kind of 
you know, I wasn't prepared for it. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> uh, and, Surprise, uh, here's Nookie. And then the heroine starts off kind of like, I'm a feminist. And then later on, the whole thing is, but you swore to protect me. Nah. And, me. and I kind of got tired of that. But putting those issues aside, I like the story and I definitely read another one. What about, um, would you be interested in reading YA, the werewolf YA that I reviewed this week? Well, you know, I do have that Jennifer Lynn Barnes book that I keep meaning to read, which I, you know, you loved. Oh, I, I, re I have a serious weak spot for YA, particularly YA with confused but strong female protagonists. And the Jennifer Lynn Barnes book and the Kate Nolan book that I reviewed this past week, both of them have heroines that are really scared and really conflicted and trying very, very hard to be strong and make the best decisions for themselves, which is something that I love reading about. I love experiencing that set of emotions in young women, which sounds really vicious when I say that out loud, but I don't mean it to be. <laughs> um, I don't know. I would, oh, I would hesitate to recommend it to you because I know that I think first person gets on your nerves. And there are some parts of the Nolan book that are so pedantic where she sort of hits you over the head with what this means do you understand the meaning of the mythology that is at work here let me tell you again and I know that that would bug the crap out of you but I thought it was really very well done particularly because it was a retelling of Little Red Riding Hood I have had a really hard time too finding finding werewolf books that I want to read what do you look for in a werewolf book well um I want uh you know animalistic characteristics because you know they're werewolves right. right oh yeah my theory has always been that werewolf fiction is all about exploring uh rage and anger and aggression um and and the the type of behavior that we as humans tend to la label as animal it's about exploring the fact that we all have those emotions yeah, I think that's a great uh, description of it. Um, I want more books by bit like Bitten and Stolen, and even Kelly Armstrong, you know, had oh, yeah. really left that behind. But the pack dynamic had always uh, interested me ever since I read Bitten. And that's what I want to see more of, you know, um, the protection of their territory, the interpersonal relationships within the pack. Oh, I love that. Um, you know, Elena, this is kind of a spoiler for the Kelly Armstrong series, but Elena is the one who ultimately comes the alpha of the pack. And it's because not that she's physically stronger, she is physically strong, but she isn't the strongest wolf, but neither was Jeremy, no. the, the current alpha. But they're smart and level headed. And Clay, the enforcer, acknowledges that he doesn't have the skill set to be the alpha and he doesn't want to be the alpha. No. And while he could physically uh, dominate, he is hot headed and would often make, you know, poor decision making. And he and doesn't he has have no strategic skills. Right. And he has no problem deferring to Elena. And I just really love the development of that pack story. And I would love to see that within. Um, other romances. So often, though, you find uh, really crazy things in um, elf, uh, werewolf books. Like, uh, I can't even remember the werewolf book that I read that had multiple alphas. What? And, yes. Everybody in the pack was alphas or betas. How does well, that you, work? <laughs> that's, you know, why even write a werewolf book if you're not going to observe, you know, actual wolf dynamics 
Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, another great pack book are the Patricia Briggs, particularly the Charles and Anna stories. I was just thinking about those, about how I go back and reread them and I can't stop rereading them. They are so sticky. I love those books. <laughs> I love them a lot. Well, the, her next one, I think, is coming out in March or April. So I'm anxiously awaiting my arc. I hope it comes soon. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That will be so very much sought after. I but, So I haven't really found those types of books, and that's what I'm looking for. So what have you read? In the werewolf world, not a lot, unfortunately. I have not read a lot of werewolf books that are, that are that explore those dynamics that that you mentioned. I also get really irritated when the werewolf alpha becomes also the general alpha and the female is just supposed to be sitting there and letting him take care of everything. You know, when when she's human and weaker and less strong physically and um supernaturally than the hero she because she it's it's often i find the heroine becoming so diminished altogether until of course she's changed and then she's super powered i have been not so much on a um paranormal kick as a, as on a contemporary and historical pick kick i keep bouncing back and forth one book that i really really want to read that is next on my list i'm actually traveling tomorrow on a train so i have like 3 hours of reading time is the lady's secret by joanna chambers Somebody emailed me about this as a as a habo, as a hell of a bitch out, and they they had re read the sample and they wanted to go back and finish it, but they couldn't find it on their Kindle and they couldn't find it on Amazon and it was driving them nuts. And then while I was formatting the post, the person emailed me and said, I remember where it was. I read it online. It's it's this person's book and I read it and it was amazing. It's so good. You have to go and read this. And so I tweeted about it and all of these people came out of the woodwork saying, I read that book. It's amazing. It's a cross-dressing historical, and the heroine is posing as the hero's um, valet, as his as his very personal servant. And apparently there's one scene where she shaves him, and she's still disguised as a boy, so I totally want to read that. But otherwise, um, I'm still working on this Addison Fox book, and I really want to, I really want to get into it. I hope that the, the flaws of the heroines become more apparent. The book itself is sort of on, works on a gimmick um, that the grandmothers of the town have an annual bachelor contest where they try to get women to compete to marry off their grandsons, who, of course, are not very willing. But it's a huge tourist draw, so they participate. At one point, they're supposed to, like, lug water down Main Street. This is the females. They're supposed to, like, lug water down Main Street and do all these other super-powered chores to prove that they can live in Alaska. It sounds really awful, and I'm hoping that it's funny. Oh, but that doesn't even make sense because it doesn't – isn't the uh, male-to-female ratio in Alaska, like, you know, two-thirds to one-third? More men than women? Yeah. That's what I thought. I did read some historicals. I reread Lord, uh, The Madness of Lord Ian Mackenzie. I just love that book. Aww. And I love rereading it. At some point, I'm not going to be able to reread it anymore because I'll have no, I'll just know every step of the book and then it won't give me any kind of joy. I kind yep. of feel like that about some Julie Gardwood books that I've read into the ground. But I still love that book. I wish you would read it. 
Okay, I'll put it on my list. I'm adding it right now. I'm adding <laughs> it right now. Madness of Lord and Mackenzie. That's Jennifer I, I Ashley, right? You would love this book. Um, I know you like angsty men. I do like angsty men, but I have to read them in small doses. I can't read angst after angst after angst or I get miserable. On my, yeah, it's on my list. Fear not. And the heroine is great. She's a wealthy widow um, who loved her husband. And um, she's pretty heavily pursued by Lord Ian. And she's titillated by him because he does things that no person has ever done um, to her before. And she's, you know, she, she very kind of goes out and, and acknowledges that this is a different kind of life that, uh, than she had led before. And she's kind of excited about it. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's just a great book oh. and I'm not the only one. <clears throat> no, you're definitely not. There are people who love that book. I read uh, Grace Burroughs for the first time. Oh, gosh. What did you think? Well, <laughs> Burroughs has a really lovely voice. Really? And I, and I think that if her books were set in um, small town contemporary, they would be some of my very favorites. <laughs> what makes you say that her books would be better if they were small town contemporaries? Or they would work for you better. Because the... And I am no historical, you know, um, scholar, but even I can recognize that these books, um, the only thing really historical about these books is that they're titled or labeled historical romances. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, at oh, one no. point she has the son of an earl helping him, the hero, get dressed. What? Yeah, and then another point has a landed gentry shaving him and helping him in his bath. No, that's not going to happen. And and the heroine and the hero just, you know, swan around the countryside half dressed and making love in her backyard. I mean, it's oh. just amazing. Is this something that readers have commented on the historical inaccuracy of her books? Yes, apparently so. Apparently um her uh her connection or her knowledge I don't know like I don't know what kind of historical researcher she is but it's not showing up in her book and I mean that's why I think that the book would read great as a small town contemporary like you would only have to change the fact that the hero's uh, father is a duke to that the hero's father is a wealthy businessman with nine kids you know and that's all you have to change seriously and but her, you know, I really read that book with a lot of regret because her voice is really amazing, um, and uh, I love the way that she wrote the interaction between the characters. And which the, one did you read, the Virtuoso? Correct. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I can read another book of hers because I'm like it every time. I, I like I don't even know if one scene in that book is historically accurate. Wow. So you sort of read it and you go, okay, come on now. Yeah. Yeah. Like the guy is like running around and um, whooping off his shirt constantly. You know, one time they're dangling their naked feet in a pond and then he whips off his shirt and, and dries her feet with it. And, and they just met. In fact, like two pages before she was chiding him for using her Christian name without her permission. What? Yes. That's, 
that's kind of crazy. Like she would be ruined socially if somebody saw that. Yeah. Or, or this is my, this is probably my favorite. So she's a baroness. Her, um, she married into this family. Uh, her husband's title, her dead husband's title is one of the oldest titles, uh, in, uh, England. Only the monarchy is like, has a longer history than her husband's title. So, you know, that's very well respected. Yes. Well, she, um, grows, uh, um, flowers and other kind of herbs and sells them at the market out of her wagon. What? Yes. No, that doesn't make any sense. I know. So the whole time you're reading it going, wait, I know that's not right. Right. Because, you know, I, I have often joked that I'm not a stickler for historical details and it doesn't bother me at all. Um, if there's a major historical inaccuracy, as long as the characters speak to each other. But I think that that would even make me raise an eyebrow, especially the part where he takes his shirt off and dries her feet in the middle of a field and she's not worried for her own uh, reputation. There's, there's no concern. Like at one point in the middle of the day, they're laying out um, on a blanket behind her house within walking distance of his home, which is being refurbished um, and thus has, any number of local artisans or laborers and they start disrobing and engaging in what yes oh no that's crazy i know so yeah that did not work for you and i regret that because her i'm telling you her voice is very fine Have you read Meg Benjamin yet? I think I read the whole series, the the Koningsberg series. Oh yes, okay. I love those books. There was one where I lost my mind because it was so gross. Because the fish, the, the, yes, yes, the she tuna. had a tuna fish sandwich and he kisses her and he tastes the tuna and the kiss and I was like, oh god, I'm in a hurl. Oh, that really grossed me out. See, oh, that didn't affect me at all. That I... oh god, my skin was crawling, and I I just I don't want to know that the hero is tasting what the heroine ate when they kiss. I mean. But, you know, I get kind of skewed when people like make out first thing in the morning and there's no mention of them brushing their teeth. <laughs> I I find that kind of gross. Aside from that one scene, I really liked the Koenigberg's books a lot. You just finished reading them all, didn't you? I did. Because I, I um, how did I? Oh, because I saw um, that the brand new me was going to be released in print in November. And I thought, oh, I've always wanted to read these books. So I'm going to try this one. And I like the first one so much that I went back and I bought all of the other books. I, uh, the brand new me and Venus in blue jeans were my favorites. Ditto. I love I Venus in blue jeans. I loved it. I loved that she was curvy. Yeah. Well, did you'll have to read the All They Need by Sarah Mayberry because that woman is a six foot Amazonian woman as well. Awesome. So, Jane, what's up with Karis Roan? I did I tell you that I read that her next one was um, that her next book was about a hero who smelled like coffee and a no! hero who smelled like um, donuts. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I knew that in the last book that the hero, the heroine smelled the hero and that she smelled like croissants, but in the kind of changes in the next book that she smells like, like fried dough or something like that. And I, and I said to my husband, I said, well, you know, if you smelled like fried dough, I'd be all over you too. (laughs) Well, you know, America runs on Duncan. Seriously. I mean, who wouldn't want to be next to, you know, if my, if I smelled like donuts, my husband would never leave the house. <laughs> he would go. He wouldn't even go to work. It would be like what if, if he they grew tasted breasts. like donuts. Oh my god! Oh my lord! <laughs> well, I have some trivia for you. Oh no! It's football trivia <laughs> in the NFL, as gauged by a Nielsen poll among active NFL players. Guess who the top five most disliked are? Oh, I saw that article. The number one is Michael Vick. Yeah, who, well, that's by a... the way, made a gay slur calling Eli Manning a fag the other day. No. Yes. No. Oh, he's so fucking gross. Seriously, I've told you about my carnival, right? You saw me tweeting about it? Yes. Carnival. Carnival for charity where you line up and you get to kick these assholes right in the nuts. I want Michael Vick and Ben Roethlisberger. Now I'm five foot four, and I still want to kick Ben. He's six five, six six. I still want to kick him in the nuts, even if I have to stand on a chair. So number three was Ben. <laughs> of course. Who was number two? See if you can guess. Um, let's see. Take a shot at it. Um, I'm gonna guess Ray Lewis. Surprisingly, no, he's not even in the top five. Um, uh, Dominic and Sue. Nope. Oh, uh, um, uh, Jay Cutler. No, he's number five. Okay. Let's see who is hated. Well, Tom Brady. No, he's not in there either. I think people feel bad for him because lately he sucks. Um, so yeah, Jay Cutler is number five. Okay. So we have, uh, number four and number number one. Vic is number one. Ben Roethlisberger is number three. three. And he was disliked at 49%. Philip Rivers? Nope. Nope. I'll give you a hint. Okay. Um, he's a Jet, but he wasn't always a Jet. He was also a Steeler, and also I believe he played for the Giants, too. Plaxico Burris? Yes, he's number two. Can you believe that? That kind of surprises me. He shot himself in the foot or leg or something, but, you know, yeah. that's it. I mean, he didn't hurt anybody else. It's not like it's Ray Lewis and people died. Well, and, you know, any person that shot shoots himself in his own foot is too pathetic to be <laughs> disliked i know you're lucky you didn't hit an artery and die you fucking dumbass <laughs> he is a dumbass and number I, mean, I would put him right up there in the top five dumbass yes stupid asses no question but hated i i have no idea why he's hated so much but yes he's number two i find right, that very strange guess number four is chad ochocinco alas no it is not all right, I'm gonna make one more guess. Okay. Um, and um, this is let's... weird. It makes no sense to me. So don't be surprised if you don't guess it. Okay. Um, Tim Tebow. No. Albert Hainsworth of the Patriots. Oh, he just got released. I know. How does that? Who cares? Very strange. But, you know, I... You knew that that was a bad thing when they signed both him and um, Ocho Cinco. It mm-hmm. just is like two dysfunctional loudmouths mm-hmm. who are probably on the tail end of their careers. Way to go. Yeah, that's exactly what the Patriots need. But I'm happy. I don't like the Patriots, so I'm glad to see them lose. I don't like the Patriots either, but the Steelers-Patriots have been a nice, happy rivalry for a long time. Almost as bad as the Steelers-Ravens. 
So Ch Chad Ochocinco was number seven, and um, Vince Young was number eight. Really? Vince yes. Young. And uh, Carson Palmer is number nine. Um, and number 10 is Sir Romo, Tony Romo. I'm not surprised about um, Carson Palmer because, you know, he quit and on his team and demanded to be traded. And, you know, now he's playing for the Oakland Raiders. Yep. And hilariously got beat by the terrible Tim Tebow. <laughs> Isn't it satisfying? Like I'm so it's so horrible, but that game, the um the Saints Colts game where it was like sixty two to three, I found that to be so enjoyable. I <laughs> swear they need to give the MVP to Peyton Manning because clearly he's <laughs> clearly the most without him, the most valuable football player <laughs> in the league. Without him on the field, nothing happens. <laughs> Who was, I think it was Mike Golick, who was like, he doesn't play defense. Come on. What the hell happened there? Oh, and number 11 is Jeremy Shockey. You know, he's another one that I kind of just feel like, eh, your time has passed. Yeah, you're, you're old. to be disliked. You're old. You're leaving. Why are we going to waste the energy on you? <clears throat> ben, Ben, I will dislike for a long, long time. Well, you know, I, I'm no fan of Aaron Rodgers. I just think he's a dickwad. <clears throat> oh, I love when you call him out on Twitter. Oh, my God, it's the greatest thing. But, I, you know, I so I totally understand. Obviously, he hasn't reportedly raped anybody but uh, or allegedly raped anybody. And I, you know, who knows? Um, but he just seems such like a superior, smug asshole. But maybe that's what makes him a great quarterback. Yeah. And, and it I, I wonder if to be a quarterback, you do have to a certain degree believe that your shit does not stink. I'm sure, but you know, other quarterbacks don't give off that uh, odor. Oh, I don't know. I think Ben does. I think Ben thinks he is the shit. Yeah, a big, tall, raping piece of shit. <laughs> and I, I guess you know, for all of Brett Favre's faults, and he had a lot of them, he played the game because he loved it, and he was. Um, I never got the sense that he thought he was better than everybody else. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. You never got the sense that he thought he was better than everyone. Yeah, I do. You know who I love? I love Heinz Ward, even though he's reaching the end of his career and he is not nearly as good as he used to be. When he is on the field, he has the biggest smile on his face. Like, I can't believe they pay me to do this job. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. He's so happy to play football. I love watching him, even if he drops the friggin' ball. He's like, all right, that's all right. I got it. I got it next time. He's happy. I love Donald Driver for the Packers. Yep, I can understand why. Love him. This Yeti microphone is huge. <laughs> it's like... Is it a big old pain on your desk? Yes. It's, like... <laughs> it's enormous. I can't even imagine. You know, there's some, uh, there's a Brenda Joyce book in which the heroine's penis is described as a club. No. <laughs> yeah. And, and then there's ones where the heroine like can't get her fingers around the girth. And I'm like, what? That, that I'm not putting that not anywhere near me. Anywhere near me. That's not coming anywhere near my chachala. No way. And that's kind of how I feel about this Yeti microphone. <laughs> My fingers cannot get around it. Oh, 
no. Okay, maybe the women, okay, maybe the women who can't get their fingers around it are the, the ones with the really tiny, tiny hands. Because you notice there's, <laughs> the, there's all these books that describe the women's hands as tiny hands. Yes, they all have tiny hands. They're all very delicate. Right, so tiny hands and big dicks. And that's the only explanation I can have by why they would allow this big dick thing in their body <laughs> when they can't even put their fingers around it. I mean, can you even imagine? I, I have no interest in, yeah, that's bizarre. All right, but, you know, take it. Take that part out. <laughs> I, I will. Believe me, I won't let anyone know that you've got a giant peen on your desk. <laughs> Thank you again for listening to the Dear Bitches Smart Authors podcast. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you have any comments or questions, you can email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. That's S for Sarah, B for Bitches, J for Jane, podcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you to Sassy Atwater for the music and also to Jade Simmons for doing such a nice job playing the music. We hope this podcast has given you some ideas of books to read or books you might want to check out. And as always, we wish you the very best of reading.
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.